my wife Jackie. She's playing on the flute today uh, for our music uh, time. And uh, again, yes, what, thank you so much. Uh, this is a wonderful um, opportunity for us to actually uh, sing together. It's pretty cool. Uh, one thing I didn't mention before, if you do have a cellular device, if you would please silence that ringer, please turn down the volume. That would be wonderful. We do publish uh, the sermon as well as uh, today we'll be putting out the most of this ser- this service online. So I'd appreciate that. Thank you very much. Uh, would you join me in looking just over to the page number number 158, Our God Comes? I know it says first Sunday of Advent. I said we're doing a recap. Uh, this isn't the, These aren't the readings that we did throughout the season of Advent, um, but they are kind of like checkpoints in the story that we are telling throughout this service. And, uh, and so we want to uh, join together I ask that you guys do the bold print. I will do the not the regular print, the, the unbolded print, if you will. If I can be any more technically problematic. And if you, would say, if you would read those together, that would be fabulous. Let's read Our God Comes, number 158 in the hymnal. The Lord God of Israel said, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all mankind together will see it. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. The sovereign Lord comes with power. And his arm rules for him. His reward is with him, and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. Amen. Amen. Uh, This is a different type of service. Uh, During these special times, I like to do 
kind of mix it up. So if you're, this is your first time either listening or joining us for our Sunday service, it's not typically how we do it. We'll do several songs at the beginning, prayer, and uh, uh, a, mess, a larger message at the end. I'm going to intersperse little devotional thoughts and do like a mini message at the very end today, just to kind of clue you in as to what to expect in the service, as well as you have that kind of outlined in your bulletin. Uh, I want to talk about a level playing field here for a moment. As we, as we talked about in our first week of Advent, Christmas is all about celebrating the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. We set this time aside and observe and rejoice specifically, but his coming was prophesied. And when he would come, creation would need to be shaped and changed and molded. Why? Well, so everyone could be on the same playing field. Isaiah 40, verse 4 says, Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall, be, shall become level, the rugged places a plain. Uh, we're blessed here in Wisconsin, aren't we, with beautiful hilly areas, in, in, specifically in Vernon County and across our whole state, right? Uh, have you ever lived somewhere or maybe traveled somewhere where it's really, really flat? I think Illinois is pretty flat for the most part, would you say, Jackie? Yeah. Good chunks of it. Um, Iowa's pretty flat. Okay, thank you. Uh, you can see, uh, you can see and see and see without any mini mountains or hills blocking your view for miles and miles. You can see the horizon. You can see the sunset or the sunrise when it's really super flat. Um, Isaiah is talking about this level playing field. God has come and nothing will or should stand in his way. Jesus the Christ certainly came and broke down some societal norms. Uh, here's a few examples. Uh, with no documented training, uh, he did study under a rabbi as far as we uh, ever saw. He was considered a rabbi and called disciples to himself. He was born into a family who worked with their hands. Uh, in comparison, just for comparison's sake, to his cousin John's upbringing, who was a son of a priest. As an adult, he ate with sinners, all kinds, religious sinners and irreligious sinners. And it usually upset the religious sinners more about that. You see, Jesus leveled the playing field. Jesus, Emmanuel, God truly was and is with us, all of us. Let us sing number 163, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel.
shall come to thee, O Israel. O come thou day spring, come and cheer our spirits by thine advent here. Disperse the gloomy clouds of night and death's dark shadows put to flight. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to Turn to number 158, please. Sorry, yep, I sure do, 159. I ought to know the difference between those two digits, but apparently I don't. 159, yes, please correct me. Uh, in the midst of everything. I had to, I had to put an addendum on my sermon uh, publication last week uh, when I published it to Spotify. And I said, I am human. Please forgive me. I called this chapter and book the wrong thing and this chapter and book the wrong thing. Jackie told me after the sermon. I'm like, yeah, no, go ahead and interrupt me. It's fine for that purpose anyway. But if you're wrong, you get called back out. So there we go. Number 159, Messiah brings peace. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. 
From his roots a branch will bear much fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding. The spirit of counsel and of power. The spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes. Or decide by what he hears with his ears. But with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. The wolf will lie down with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goats. They will neither harm nor destroy on, my, on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Amen. Talk about peaceful future that can be a peaceful future and now. Peace. What does that word mean to you? What does it mean to you? If you feel like you want to shout it out, what does peace mean to you? We don't do a whole lot of shouting out around here, so I understand. I always put you on this. What's that? Say again. Taking away strife. Okay. What else? Contentment. Contentment. Okay. Maybe you think of, the, of just the absence of fighting. You have siblings in your household and it would be nice if there was peace between them because you just don't want to hear the fighting. Okay. Uh, I think a lot of people around the world would like to just see that kind of a peace. Maybe you think of it as agreements between two hostile countries and they cease killing or harming each other. In Isaiah 11, the prophet spoke of Jesus having the greatest characteristic anyone would want of a king. And yes, Jesus' kingship is implied here. Who else could make peace but the highest ruling authority? Think about that. In each instance, each characteristic is granted because the spirit of the Lord rested upon him. Here's some of the characteristics we looked at just just a few moments ago. Wisdom, understanding, counsel, power, knowledge, fear of the Lord. Then Isaiah says, this King Jesus will use not only his, will, will use not his eyes or his ears to judge matters, but rather righteousness and justice. As if those two concepts are his senses. Hmm. When Jesus reigns, the picture Isaiah paints comes to pass. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. Predators and prey will neither harm nor destroy when Jesus is in charge. Peace. You might be surprised by that concept. Perhaps in disbelief of, this, of its possibility. Seems kind of crazy. But if Jesus is truly Lord of your life, you know and have experienced that kind of peace. You fear not what you used to fear. Those predators are not waiting to tear you apart. When the king of kings is on your side, who could be against you anyway? Peace. If you'll open your, if you'll turn over to 171, we'll sing Silent Night. And just so you're aware, I have to play the next two songs up an octave 
do not feel like you have to seen up an octave. <laughs> that will be very high for you all. We'll might, we might have to replace the glass in the windows if we do that too much. So. <laughs>
It's our next reading. I'll <clears throat> give you a second here to get Number 160, Messiah brings salvation. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has a... Nope, 160, Messiah brings salvation. It's at the very bottom of 159's page. Start there. Let's try that again. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. To proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. To comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. The oil of gladness instead of mourning. And a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness. A planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Shout aloud and sing for joy, people of Zion. For great is the Holy One of Israel among you. Amen. Messiah brings salvation. I want to talk about a freedom plan here. God's plan for salvation in Jesus Christ is illustrated beautifully here in these scriptures that we've just read. Images of sorrow, mourning, grief. Um, take a moment to recognize the fact that Christmas time is very hard. A lot of people we have lost in this last year. Some just within this last week and a half. Uh, dear friends, even pets in our, in our case. Uh, our district superintendent passed away on the 20th. I included his obituary in the, in the hymnal, or whatever those things are called anymore, bulletin, thank you. Um, and we might spend most of our time throughout this season focusing on that sadness and that despair and the fact that we've got a missing spot in our, in our living room or around our table or in our heart for that that one who's not there anymore. But in this passage, we see those things, grief, mourning, sorrow, disgrace, uh, being replaced by something different, something better. Joy, beauty, praise, righteousness. And part of our heart yearns to be with those friends that have gone on. We miss the festive time with them the sadness that comes when we realize that we cannot share it with them anymore. The sorrow of sin, however, is much deeper than the sorrow of loss of one. The pain and hurt of sin has but one enemy, one enemy, the saving grace of Jesus, his sacrifice for us. In a few moments, we will partake in the Lord's Supper. I've got it set out here, and I'll open it up here in just a moment. As we sing, What Child Is This?, I would like to invite you to come, come through the middle aisle and, and come around and get uh, a juice cup and a cup of bread. 
and take the elements back to your seat. When we are concluded in singing this song, we're only singing first and third verses of this song, What Child Is This? We will partake in communion together. If you do not wish to partake, that is perfectly fine. I also want to let you know that in our denomination, we do not use, uh, we use only unfermented grape juice uh, for uh, communion. If it were not for the cross, no one would know about that little baby boy born in and laid in a manger. If it were not for the resurrection, we have not known or cared much about either one of those. God so loved the world that he sent his son to us. And it was and is for our salvation. And by his salvation, we can be healed and clothed in praise rather than despair, gladness instead of mourning. And we stop and we look again at the nativity scene and wonder what child is this. Number 179 is what child is this, but come and receive the elements as you feel.
I'm reading from the book of Luke, chapter 22. And when the hour came, verse 14, when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink it again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This is the cup of my new covenant, my blood, which is poured out for you. One other thing that you might want to note, that we believe firmly in the Church of the Nazarene, that this is not just a ritual. This is not just a, um, well, I worked with kids a lot. This is not, this is not, this is not snack time. And uh, what it really represents in these elements, the juice, his blood, the bread, his body, his sacrifice, of course, but in a very real way here in this moment as we commune with God and as we partake in these elements, we are receiving the grace of God. And in fact, Jesus Christ himself can meet you in these elements today. Uh, don't feel you're worthy. He still poured out his blood. And his body was still broken for you. Because guess what? None of us were. None of us are worthy of his sacrifice. He loves each and every one of us. And this is a reminder of what he did and what he continues to do for us as he loves us. The body of blood, the body of Jesus Christ broken for you. Take and eat and be thankful. The blood of our Lord Jesus Christ poured out for you as an offering. Drink and be thankful. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I don't know that thankful is a good enough word to describe the attitude of heart we ought to and do have as a result of receiving these elements, these gifts of grace, these sacraments, Lord. Thank you for in these elements you remind us in our minds and in our hearts of what you've done, but you also meet us here in a very real and tangible way. And you commanded your followers to keep this sacrament going. And so we do, Lord out of obedience to you, but also out of wanting to commune with you and with each other in this moment. We love you, Jesus. Continue to be with us in this service. In your name we pray. Amen. You want to say your cups down in, your, in the little holder in front of you? We'll pick them up later.
Our next reading is The Messiah Brings the Kingdom. It's actually our last reading for today. Number 161, The Messiah Brings the Kingdom. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. The government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom. Establishing and upholding in, uh, it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Amen. Uh, our next song is a special that Jackie and I have been working on and we want to share with you today. Uh, so... I sit back and relax and enjoy, and uh, we're going to sing this together. It's our theme song for this sermon series, Noel, that we have, we've heard a few times, and you'll get to hear our rendition of it. Computer will turn on. It's a lovely thing. Uh, we're, we're glad to be able to do that. It's been fun, and... Uh, it's always, it's always a fun thing to try uh, something new together. Uh, as we draw our service to a close this morning, I want to take just a few more minutes to reflect on this season and why we celebrate it. Um, we've read together many scriptures concerning the Messiah, his coming to us, his peace, his salvation. And now we've read about his kingdom a kingdom that reigns inside the hearts and lives of each person who would lay down their rights and say, Jesus is Lord. This time of Advent in the Christian calendar is, a, is not a blink and you miss it kind of event. That's why we take four weeks or so to talk about Christmas. It's preparation for the celebration of our Savior's birth, but also actively celebrating and worshiping him at the same time. So it's preparation, but we're actually actively doing it. It's like when people start singing Christmas carols and songs uh, right around Thanksgiving. You know, they're, they're really getting into it, right? And some people are like, I'm going to choke that kind of person. Uh, but let's look at some examples. Let's look at some examples between the, the difference between expectancy, the expectancy that we ought to have, and the impatience that we so frequently portray. I want to talk about these two things in this little closing message today. We, we have this concept of hurry up and wait in our society, don't we? Uh, perhaps you've, you've gone on a vacation before. I hope at one point in your life you've gone on a vacation before. Uh, they can be very nice. Um, there is a lot of preparation that goes on to, to, uh, before you go on your trip, right? You get all your things together. You plan to make sure that you have enough fuel. Um, you have a working vehicle. You're bringing food or you're bringing money to eat out, whatever it is. Plan your destination and lodging once you arrive. Well, this past summer, early fall, our family planned to take a long road trip. Um, we wanted to go to about Rushmore and Yellowstone. We've been talking about it for about half a year, planned accordingly. Um, multiple things occurred and we decided to change our plans. 
but something we considered as some things that we considered as deterrents to this trip uh, at the time were the lengthy drive combined with high gas prices. Um, we would spend so much time on the road, it would be a challenge to enjoy our trip once we arrived. And then we would spend so much money on fuel that we wouldn't be able to do many of the things that would cost money when we arrived there at our destination. Ultimately, we chose a, a closer trip, uh, camping at Peninsula State Park. We have this hurry up and wait syndrome in our society today. We drive fast to our destination, either because we wanna be early, because we're running late, or because we don't care about speed limits. Let's be honest. <laughs> then, when we do arrive, we don't relax. We anticipate the next thing. Maybe it's the time that we need to leave. Got that pot roast in the oven or whatever it is. I know of no better tangible example of the difference between being impatient and being expectant than some objects that I brought today. Y'all know I work at a grocery store. I have two macaroni products right here. Uh, one, this little cup here, I don't know if you've ever used it before. Uh, this one is a microwave single serve. It only takes two minutes, if I actually read the directions correctly, to make. Uh, this one over here, the directions say it takes at least eight minutes. And I say at least because uh, that's not factoring in getting out all the stuff, opening up the box, pouring it in, after you've gotten the water to boil, depending on how fast your, your water can boil on your stovetop, uh, and then draining it, uh, adding milk and butter, melting that together with the powdered cheese sauce, and then mixing it all back together, it takes a little bit longer than eight when I make it, by the way. So we've got the instant, and we've got the not instant, right? But I will tell you something in our household We've had these in our cabinet for a while. They have gone uneaten. I have, a, I have a feeling it also has to do with the fact that they enjoy this one better. You see, things that are worth having, delicious things, are usually things that take a little bit more time. I don't know if you, I'm not gonna dog on microwavable stuff. I think microwaves are awesome. I think they're a great invention that most people have in their home. But have you ever heard of or seen um, a food network show where they, where they specialize in microwave foods. Like, oh, let's make microwave scrambled eggs. I hope you never enjoy those, but I made that in food class in high school. I don't know why. But you can make things in the microwave that doesn't make them good. It makes them fast. Um, but when we, when we take time to make something, we're not just twiddling our thumbs waiting for that food and just going, oh, whatever. You know what we're doing while this, while this macaroni is being made in the kitchen? You know what we're doing? You can smell a little bit of it cooking. We know it's not, yet, not ready yet. Our mouth, as the water boils, our mouth starts to salivate a little bit. Our imaginations even might travel ahead to the future where we're sitting down at a nice big bowl of macaroni and cheese. And if you're lucky, hot dogs cut up in the middle of them. And then we're enjoying that nice big bowl of macaroni and hot dogs. That is what anticipation is all about. That's what it looks like. As it, compared to, we got this out of the microwave, 
Oh, let's chow it down because I'm super hungry. I don't care what it tastes like. And I'm sure the people who made this did their very best to capture the stovetop experience, but there's no way to do that without the stovetop experience. So we know what anticipation looks like, but let's talk about impatience a little bit more. There's a difference between anticipation and impatience, of course. Anticipation, I want to just clarify it for the purposes of this little mini-message today. Anticipation, you have no control, really, over when the thing will be ready constantly when I'm cooking. People ask me, is the food ready? No, it's not ready. It's not ready yet. Okay, can you look at it? No, just leave, leave it. It's fine. You have no control over when it's ready, so you have to wait. However, the thing that you do control is you looking forward to receiving and enjoying whatever that is. Impatience is the attitude that says, I can do something to make this go faster. I can do something. I can affect this possibility. I, I, um, recently, we just watched uh, the films The Santa Claus uh, with Tim Allen and The Santa Claus 2. And uh, it, this made me think of a scene in that movie. Uh, in the very first one, uh, Scott Calvin is the main character. He ends up becoming Santa Claus later on, spoiler alert, for a movie that's been out since 1994. But anyway, uh, he, he's a single dad. He's divorced. He's got his son for Christmas Eve, and he wants to cook him a dinner, a big old dinner for the two of them for some reason. And he gets home probably late. And uh, he finally, he looks at the, the recipe book and reads the directions for his turkey. And, it sa- and he shouts to himself, four hours, as he reads the directions of how long it's going to take for this thing to cook. And so Scott, looking at that, looking over his, his hungry son, wanting desperately to be his hero and please his kiddo, um, he does what he can. And in the next scene, we see the table filled with like overcooked or burnt or whatever dishes, and then you hear him using uh, his fire extinguisher. He's in the kitchen shooting that at his open oven and the turkey that has been coming out. And then eventually, once he stops shooting it, flames flame out of the oven and he has to spray it some more. Um, and inevitably, dinner is ruined. Everybody's still hungry. I, the movie doesn't tell us how long it was since uh, they, how long they had been waiting for that meal, which was completely ruined and they couldn't eat it anyway. Um, but they hop in a car, they go try to find some place to eat. The only place that was open in their town was Denny's. And the funny thing about that is, is the waitress takes them to the room where other dads have made similar mistakes. <laughs> and, and either are, are just, their kids are miserable there with, uh, with, their, with their dad, or uh, the dad is like injured because of the cooking incident, incident that they had, trying to cook that, that dinner by themselves. You see, when we try to rush things, I don't know how else to say it. Bad things happen. Things that are not the desirable outcome happen. Um, When we try to make something go faster that we technically don't have the ability to do so, it's like uh, if you've got a kid in the car and you're driving, or maybe you are the kid in the car and your, your parents are driving, whatever it is, and are we there yet? keeps coming up. Are we there yet? Are we, does that make anybody put their pedal to the, uh, pedal to the metal? No. May, I would slow down in, in, uh, in just being, to be irritating um, just for that, for that sake. 
But even instant microwavable food and stuff, in this case, still isn't instant. Think about that. You see that attitude, instead of anticipation that says, oh, I'm looking forward to it. That's my focus, is just enjoying it and thinking about enjoying it. Impatience says, I want it, and I want it right now. But again, even instant food is an instant like that. Well, I hope these examples put things into perspective when it comes to Christmas time. The scriptures we read during this worship service come not from the New Testament, if you didn't notice that, but they actually come from the Old Testament, from mainly the prophet Isaiah with a little bit of Micah sprinkled in there. The people of Israel had been waiting and waiting for their Savior. Over time, some people attempted to fill that role that the people wanted. Did you know that? Uh, as, the, as the people waited. You may have heard of a group of people called the Maccabees. These, are, these people are where we get the legend of Hanukkah. But for our purposes today, all you need to know is that the Maccabees revolted against the rulers of their time. Other zealots did so as well, trying to overcome the secular world and establish God's kingdom through violence and war. If we overcome the secular, or if we waited, if they had waited patiently, we would know that Jesus came exactly at the right time. Nothing the people did would make him come any faster. No microwave Messiah. More like a slow cooker. We don't celebrate Advent out of religious obligation. We experience the season of Advent. Taking these weeks to anticipate Christmas, to celebrate it, even before it's here, but not in a way that we make Christmas come any sooner. Oh, I want to go open my presents. No, it's December 12th. You can't. It's not whatever. Not that we can make Christmas come any sooner by whining or complaining, are we there yet? Before you know it, however, my friends, 1201 will happen today, and it will be tomorrow, December 26th, 2023. And my question for you as we wrap this thing up today is, will you carry the anticipation of what we know as his second coming? You see, there's a second advent. And we are in that season all year round. Ever since he went and prepared a place for us. Will you anticipate his coming again? Will you keep that in your heart? In your day-to-day -day life? How about the way in which you live? Do you share the good news with others? Do you pray for others? Are you compassionate? Only you can answer these things. Just know that nothing you or I can do can make him come back any faster. We can, however, live a life in the kingdom of God, here and now, even as we anticipate its fullness in the future. We have the kingdom. The kingdom is also there, and we anticipate it in both places. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so very much for this season. It's a, it's a specific set of weeks culminating in this day in which we observe and celebrate your birth, Jesus. 
but the celebration and the preparation kind of overlap, don't they? And I'm grateful for that. That in the midst of getting ready for this day and worshiping you and celebrating and reflecting upon you, we can also know the joy presently as we get ready. That's pretty cool. And it's mind-blowing. And so I pray that you would help us to carry around, maybe the secular world would say the spirit of Christmas, but it's really the spirit of Christ within us all year round. Always expecting and anticipating and patiently waiting and living out the kingdom in the here and now even as we anticipate its fullness in the future. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for coming. And we know that you will come again. And you already are here in our hearts today. In your name we pray, amen. You're dismissed. Go in peace. Merry Christmas, my friends.